So tonight, it'll be Luke chapter 17, and I'm actually going to focus on just one verse. Uh, it's going to be Luke 17, 32, and what I'm planning on doing is dipping uh, my toes into end times scripture. Uh, I've been asked a number of times uh, my thoughts on COVID-19 and uh, how it applies to the end of times. And so uh, I have to say I have been uh, a little nervous about doing that, but scripturally, as we've been moving through Luke, uh, it is really unavoidable. If you look at Luke 17, verses 20 through 37, he speaks of the end times. If you go to Luke 21, 5 through 33, nearly the entire chapter of Luke 21, he speaks of his return. And of course, we have 2 Timothy 3, that entire chapter speaks of what time will be like, and then uh, obviously Revelation. So uh, as we go through these evenings, I'm going to be kind of, as I say, dipping my toes into that. And so we'll start tonight and we'll kind of carry forward from here. Uh, as, a, as a brief note, uh, we will not have a Sunday night service next week, being Memorial Day weekend. I already know a great many people are going to be out of town, including yours truly. I will be here for Sunday morning, but then as soon as Sunday morning is done, heading back up to the mountains with our family. So uh, we will not have next Sunday night. But from here on, as long as the weather permits, we will come outside. Uh, it's already hot. It went from last week being in the 60s to this week being nearly 90. So we're already in, in that season. But uh, we will continue to do so. But just keep your eyes on Facebook and things like that. If it looks like uh, on a Sunday night it's going to be storming or it's going to be very wet, we'll have an alternate plan. Uh, whether I'm streaming in uh, the sanctuary or whether we have that open, I will certainly let you know that. So as we get into this, uh, Luke 17, verse 32, is one of the shortest verses in all of the Bible. It simply says this, Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. And this is included if you believe that all of Scripture is God-breathed and that the Lord has put every word in Scripture for a reason. Then we have this simple phrase, remember Lot's wife. And it is included in here for a reason. It's an object lesson for us to look back and see what he's saying. And so as we go through Scripture tonight, the question that I want to lay out as we start looking towards end times is are we looking backwards to something the Lord is burning down? Are we looking backwards to something the Lord is burning down? Certainly in this time of COVID-19, Lord is burning down things. And so we have to, as it says right here, Remember Lot's wife. And are we looking back fondly for things that the Lord himself is destroying? So certainly, we're not just going to be on this one verse. That's what I, I want to focus in on. Titled tonight's sermon, Don't Look Back. But we do need to have some context surrounding this verse. So let's look at Luke 17, 26 through 33. Jesus says this, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People went on eating, drinking, 
marrying and given in marriage, until the day Noah boarded the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. It will be same, it will be the same as it is in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But on the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be like that on the day of the Son of when the it will be like that on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a man on the housetop whose belongings are in the house must not come down to get them. Likewise, the man who's in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Let's pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to be gathered as a people, Lord, to see one another, not through a screen, but Father in flesh and blood. Lord, you've created us to be a social people, to interact one with another, to be blessed and encouraged by one another. And Lord, I thank you that we have the opportunity and the means by which to do that tonight. Lord, as we look at your word, and especially, Father, as I begin to preach on this, Lord, I, I need you to speak and not let me cloud anything. Father, not let me fail in delivery. But Lord, I pray that you would speak and move me out of the way. So that, Father, Lord, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray these things in the blessed name of Christ. Amen. So as we go through this, again, certainly with our focus on verse 32, remember Lot's wife, there are things I want to see in this. There are three things I, I can see in the text as we go through. And the first is this, that we are to have a disdain for the mundane. We are to have a disdain for the mundane. See, as you look at verses 26 through 30, this is on the heels of the Pharisees coming to Jesus and asking him, when will the kingdom of God come? And so Jesus speaks to them first and says to them, the kingdom is in your midst, i.e. it's me. But then he goes on and he speaks to the disciples and he's speaking of the coming last day. And so he says here in 26 through 30, he speaks about the mundane. He says, when the Son of Man comes, there will be a calamity. For the great many who have not bowed their knees unto the Lord. But there will be a calamity of God's judgment on the earth. And he says this final calamity that's coming will be very similar to earlier calamities. And he gives two examples. Verse calamity. Noah and the destruction of the world. That the people had become so sinful that God wiped them out and bore his judgment on earth. The second was that of Sodom and Gomorrah, where the people of Sodom and Gomorrah themselves were so sinful that once again God rendered judgment not upon the entire earth, but burned the city of Sodom and Gomorrah to the ground. And certainly as he's speaking, the disciples don't know it, Jesus does, Soon Jerusalem will be destroyed by the Romans. And it will be a short time later within the lifetime of many of those who are speaking to Jesus. But he's looking beyond that. 
He's saying the last day of God's judgment will be a calamity similar to other calamities in this way. That in the days of Noah and the days of Lot, both societies were completely given over to rebellion. He says, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Both societies experience God's judgment rain down on them. Notice the language that Jesus says. Notice the language that Scripture says. How did God destroy those in the days of Noah? He brought rain. His judgment rained on them with literal rain. And then in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, it says that he rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. So they experienced God's judgment, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man because of the evilness of the people. But interestingly enough, as you look through those scriptures, that's not what Jesus indicts. He does not point out the sinfulness of the societies. We can obviously gather that from looking back at Scripture. The days of Noah, the people were evil. The days of Sodom and Gomorrah in those cities, the people were evil. What does Jesus indict during this time? Is that people will go about their mundane, everyday lives with no thought of the coming day. That's what he indicts. Look what he says. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. He doesn't say evil. He says people went on eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. It will be the same as it was in the days of Lot. People went on eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. Everything will be as it was. We have Solomon, the wisest man on earth, in Ecclesiastes, say there's nothing new under the sun. Man's wickedness will always give way to the mundane. See, what Jesus indicts here is not that they were wicked, but of course that will be the reason for God's final judgment. No, it's that no one cared. They went on doing everything they had always done. It does not matter what was going on around them. They were ill-prepared for the coming of the Son of Man. They kept marrying. They kept buying. They kept selling. They kept planting. They kept going to the grocery store. They kept going out to eat. They kept doing whatever it was that they were doing with no thought that at any moment Jesus might return. He indicts the ignorance of all people for not thinking of the divine, but instead focusing on the mundane. I want you to imagine this today. I want you to imagine that there's a man named Noah, and that he's building a gigantic boat. Some theologians think that it took him 120 years to build it. Some think that it took him 75 years to build it. Either way, 75 years at a minimum is a lifetime. I want you to imagine that some man is out building a boat, and it takes him decades to do it. And all along the way, those that were near him look at him building a boat, and their reaction is, eh, 
they either mock him or they go about their daily lives and just say, crazy old Noah is building a boat. Notice that in that time, no one went to Noah and said, Noah, why are you doing this? And Noah is saying, God is going to destroy the world with a flood. And they say back, what can I do to escape this destruction? Noah, where are you today? How far along are you in your construction? How soon is it coming? Noah, how many debts do you have left? How soon is it coming? Noah, when that day comes, I desperately want to be saved. No, that didn't happen. I want you to imagine it happening today and how much ridicule, and then after the ridicule is done, no one will care. He's just building a boat. Let him do it. And what will everybody do once it's made the headlines and once it's made the news and once it's made all the funny memes and the great gifts and everything else that goes along with it is that people will forget and they will not care. And they will go back to buying and selling and marrying and going out to eat and doing everything that they have always done even though there is a perfect sign saying it's coming, this day is coming. And so Jesus indicts the focus on the mundane. And that's why in Luke 18.8, as you go forward, and he speaks of the parable of the persistent woman and the wicked judge, he ends it by saying, when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith on the earth? And he's answering his own question. No. He will find the mundane. People are always doing what they've always done. So he's giving us a warning to have a disdain for the mundane and instead be focusing on the divine. The second thing that I see in this is don't turn towards the burn. I'm going to be good with rhyming tonight. Don't turn towards the burn. Verses 31 through 33 says on that day, the man on the housetop whose belongings are in the house must not come down to get them. Likewise, the man who's in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to make his life secure will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. So for context, we need to go back to Genesis. We need to understand a little bit of what's going on to understand everything that surrounds Lot and his wife. And really, there could be a sermon on this. And in fact, I've kind of put together an outline years ago on this, but it's camping towards Sodom. If you follow the saga of what's going on, you go back to Genesis 13, 12, and 13, and when Abraham and Lot begin to separate, and Lot turns his eyes to where he will take his herds, where does his eyes turn? Towards Sodom. And we see in that moment, it says that Lot goes and pitches his tent towards Sodom. Well, then the next time that we find Lot in Genesis 14, 12, it's the war of the kings. And we find that Lot is no longer camping towards Sodom. He's living in it. He's now moved into that society. So much so that he has to be rescued by Abraham. And then, of course, we get to Genesis 19. 
where the focus is specifically on Sodom and Gomorrah. And God's eye has turned towards it and their wickedness. And we know the story. Abraham prays and says, If there be twenty, ten, spare it. God sends his angels in and he finds Lot and he finds Lot's wife and he finds his children and the angels are accosted by the men of the town. In fact, the men of the town want to rape the angels. So the angels force their way into Lot's house and protect him and then they say to him, you must leave. We're going to destroy this place. And in Genesis 19:17, he says this, as soon as the angels got them outside of their house, one of them said, Run for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere on the plain. Run to the mountains or you will be swept away. We know what happens next is that Lot tries to deal with the angels. He tries to bargain with them. And they relent, but they force him to go. And as he goes, God rains down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah and then in Genesis 19.26, we have another very small verse. But Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. Lot's wife looked back and she was destroyed. See, what's amazing about this is as you look through this is that Lot's wife She's here for us as an example today. But have you noticed she has no name? She is always referred as Lot's wife. We don't know much about her. We don't know if Lot had married her before or if she was a sodomite. But what we do know is this, is she escaped. She was one of the few of a single family that made it out of Sodom and Gomorrah. She escaped with her life. And as she ran with Lot and her children, she could make it to freedom. But what did she do? She turned around and she looked back, not out of curiosity. She looked back because whereas Lot was in Sodom, Sodom was in Lot's wife. So she looked back as Jesus has shown us, as a man who's standing on his house in that day, should not go back inside for the things that he owns, but instead flee, she looked back to where her heart really lay. And she loved Sodom. See, instead of yearning for where God was bringing her family. Instead, she looked back on what he was burning to ash. See, the things of this life, everyone, for us as believers, the things of this life must be secondary to the things of heaven. Everything on this earth will give way to flame and will be burned up and consumed. And so our eyes must never be here, but always be looking 
to the coming day. And so a question for us that we must answer tonight because Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. And with three simple words, he says, remember her because she looked back on what I was burning to the ground. She yearned for what I'm destroying. She did not yearn for where I am going. We have to be careful that we ourselves are not looking back. We must be careful to not yearn for the things God is destroying. We must not yearn for the things that he's burning to the ground. We must not secure for ourselves that which God would want us to give up as he is going to destroy it. And so that brings us to today. That brings us to what's happening now. That brings us to COVID-19. The old world is gone. And we need to see that. We are forever changed. And if we resist that, if we lament what is gone, we're starting to look back on things God is burning to the ground. And instead of looking back and yearning and saying to ourselves, oh, that it would go back to the way it was, recognizing that if God is sovereign and this disease is global and God is changing things, then we best be careful on any part of our heart that says, I want it back. That's what's happening in America right now. We are 60 days into this, and the entire society is now impatient. Why are they impatient? Because we want to go back. That's the Israelites that say, oh, that we had fire pots in Egypt. We're impatient because we want to go back. And we need to recognize, what is God doing? And we need to ask ourselves, what is God burning to ash? I said early on, as many preachers did, God stripped from us every idol that we have. And I will say this again, and I will say it, and I will say it, and I will say it, and I will say it. He will continue to do it until it's gone. If our hearts don't change. He took away from us sports. He took away from us leisure. He took away from us being together in person. He has taken away from us the way the church works. And he is rapidly taking away from us the God of money. He's burning it to the ground. And so that leaves us with what seems like a a heavy heart, right? Oh, but there's joy on the other side of this. Last thing I want us to look at tonight is this, something I spoke of last week and I will not stop speaking of it. Matthew 6, 33. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. What does He say for us to have our eyes on? The kingdom of and God's righteousness. 
In his prayer, in the model prayer, he says to us that we should pray that God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, which is to say that earth is not yet the, king, the same kingdom as heaven is, but it has broken in through Jesus Christ and it continues to spread through us, his children. But he does not say to us, look back to the old. He says, you look up to the kingdom. And as we go through this in the weeks that we will be focusing on what God says about the end times, he's very clear that we are to pay attention, not to the mundane, but to the divine. That we are to pay attention that the season is coming when Jesus will return. We will never know that day. It is impossible to calculate. But what we can know is that you and I are closer to it than any other human beings in history. And so why focus on the mundane when instead we should fix our eyes on the prize? the kingdom of God. We must always keep our eyes looking for the kingdom. What Jesus is saying, and he starts here in 17, and he will elaborate more as we go through this, is he is saying, you do not want to be the person caught unprepared. You do not want to be one of the five virgins who, when the bridegroom came, said, I need to go fill my lamp and put a wick in. You need to be like the five who were already prepared because they knew the bridegroom was coming. They didn't know when, but they were prepared for that moment. See, if you are prepared spiritually every day for the coming of Jesus, there's no reason to look back. There's only reason to look forward. And friends, I'll say this. Because of this disease, God is doing a new thing in our midst. And if we're not careful, we'll look backwards and we won't see the new that God is doing. I can tell you this, more has happened spiritually with the church doors closed than what was happening when they were open. More is happening spiritually. Great revivals are breaking out across the United States of America. I've spoken to other pastors who have begun putting together drive-through services, and they are seeing people come to the Lord by the hundreds. They are seeing people who are desperate to come to the house of the Lord. They're seeing people they have never seen in their entire life come and be at the church. I can tell you for just sweet little Mint Hill Baptist Church, in the time that our church doors have been closed, our online presence has been at least averaging 250 people a week. Just last week we had people watching from 10 different states and one country in Europe. I haven't seen it today. I can only tell you that from the initial stats on BoxCast, it was saying two different states. Someone came in on Facebook and was saying they were coming in from Louisiana because that last week they saw the baby dedication and they're related to the Howards. And now they're watching with us. 
guys on a Sunday morning before our church do doors closed, we were averaging 125. We have now doubled the number of people who are attending our church every single Sunday with the doors closed. God is doing a new thing. And in this time, He's telling us, don't look back. Look forward. The idols we have set up in our lives are not just sports, and it's not just money. If we're not careful, those idols can be found in the church too. And God is burning it down. And guys, in the most beautiful thing I can say, in one of the most exciting ways that I can say it, because it is in my heart, it is in my soul, is that on the other side of this, God's going to do a mighty thing. And He's calling His church to do a mighty thing. In an amazing way, we have been pushed backwards to our first century brothers and that we are now meeting in homes. In an amazing way, the church has spread out And I know we're a small group tonight. But what God is saying to us, let me say this carefully. We can lament that we have not been able to come back. Or what we can do, every last one of us, is to invite someone to be a part of what we're doing at home. Now, hear me. I am so looking forward to the day where we get to be back in there. I am so looking forward to it. God has created us to be social. He has not created us to look through computer screens at each other, but by God's grace, we can. But He may have pushed us out to say, go and make disciples so that when you may gather together again, you will bring even more into my house. We can't look back to what God is burning down. We have to be careful and hopefully see that God has grabbed every last one of us and shaken us and said, oh Christian, do not focus on the dull mundane, but focus on what I'm doing now. Focus on what I'm doing now. Seek my kingdom. And all of this will be added unto you. All of this will be added unto you. So let us look at what God is doing now and what God will do on the other side of this. And as we look forward into the Scripture and see what uh, our Savior says about the day of His return and, and how that applies to us as Christians as we move through these next few weeks, may we start with this warning from Jesus. Remember Lot's wife. And let us start this journey together by not looking back. By not looking back. And so as we close tonight, beauty is I know so many of you that are here tonight. But something that we need to each and every one of us say in our hearts is this. 
Is there anything that our Savior is telling us we need to let go? And I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about things. Is there anything in our heart that we have held fast to that God says, let it go, let it burn, and look where I am bringing you? And if so, let us lay it at the feet of Jesus with these words. Remember Lot's wife and what happened to her when she looked back at what I was burning down. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, Chris, do we have a closing song or am I kind of it? I'm kind of it. All right. So we'll pray and, and we'll be dismissed. Uh, you all, by all means, fellowship with each other um, and, you know, keep, keep safe distance, all these things. And uh, it's so good to see you all. And just remember, next week we will not have uh, service outside. We will come back and do that on the 31st. And then, again, 31st, we are going to open up the doors. We're going to open up a little slowly. And we'll keep accelerating as we are able to moving into the future. But let's pray. And as I pray, reach into your heart and say to the Lord, Lord, if there's anything I need to let go, show me that I may set it down so that I will go where you want me to go and have my eyes on kingdom priorities. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I thank you for what you are doing. Father, you're forcing us all, Christian and secular, to see it all differently. You have not allowed us to be comfortable. You have not allowed us to do what we have always done. We are not marrying. We are not buying. We are not selling. We are not doing the normal mundane. And Father, I pray that in each one of our lives, Lord, in this pause and this stop, Father, we not look back to Egypt. We not look back to Sodom. But Father, we look forward to the promised land that you are leading us to. And Father, that you are calling us into a great mission with you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters that are here tonight. Father, I pray in my own heart, show me Show us that which we treasure that you are consuming with fire. And Father, let us release it. And Lord, turn our eyes to what you're doing. And Father, I pray all this in the magnificent name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.